online, on digital, and on FM in Bournemouth and beyond. Buzz Radio. Hello and welcome to Buzzcast. I'm Mel Spence. And I'm Aditya Venkatesh. Today's discussions will be around the largely controversial topic of euthanasia and mental illness. Should assisted suicide be legalised in the UK? Can a person with severe mental illnesses make decisions about ending their life in sound mind? 56 people since 2011 have been granted assisted suicide in Netherlands. And uh, this is the only legal place other than Switzerland where where the act is legal. However, the act of euthanasia is not legal in these countries similar to how it is in the UK, We now have on Ellie Moore, our colleague, to distinguish between assisted suicide, assisted death and euthanasia. It's important to highlight that euthanasia isn't a catch-all term, and assisted suicide isn't the same thing as being euthanized. Ellie Moore is here with us now to explain. So, first of all, what is meant by the term euthanasia? So, euthanasia is a lethal injection to end life. It can be voluntary, meaning the patient requests the killing from the doctor. This is also known as an assisted death. Uh, There's involuntary euthanasia, meaning a patient is competent but they aren't consulted on the uh, injection. And non-voluntary, meaning the patient is not competent enough to decide or request the killing. So how is assisted suicide different? Assisted suicide is the ending of a person's life without the doctor administrating the drugs themselves. They will hand them over to a third person, often the patient, who will then inject them eventually. So it comes down to who is actually delivering the injection that makes the distinction. Yeah, the difference lies in who dispenses the drugs and what state of health the individual is in. In euthanasia, it is done by a medical professional, but in an assisted suicide, it is done by the patient with the doctor providing aid as they deliberately end their own life. I see. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ellie. Former Bournemouth University student Lois Schering uh, joins us to talk about assisted death, which was the topic of her radio documentary, Reasoning with Death. Lois, thank you for joining us. Hi, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. The debate over whether assisted death should be introduced in the UK has been going on for some time. What's your stance on the issue? Um, So my stance has actually changed quite a lot over the last couple of years. When I did the documentary, I was um, quite pro uh, change in the legalisation to allow for assisted suicide. But um, since then, I've spoken a lot with more disability campaigners about their worries over the issue. And now um, I, my ch- stance hasn't changed completely, but I'm uh, slightly more open-minded that it might not be such a good idea. Is it more realistic then to suggest that it could be introduced for those suffering from a mental illness? I think in the UK, it's not really realistic to say that that's on the cards right now. If you look at places where it's already legal, like Switzerland or some parts of America, I think that is definitely a topic of discussion. But um, to say that that's realistic in the UK, I think that's quite some time off. Right now, it's, the debate's just very focused on um, people with terminal uh, physical illnesses. Hmm. Do you believe that it will ever become legal in the UK? I think eventually it will. And I think it will because... Um, while it's not obviously a top priority in politics right now, for a lot of people it is always their top priority to be changing the law. And I think that constant drip of pressure will eventually have an effect on um, on the, the laws. I see. And before you leave us, could you tell us a little bit more about the documentary you produced for Boz News, Reasoning with Death? Um, yes, it was a radio documentary. I spoke to... Um, a couple of campaigners and I was actually lucky enough to speak to a woman who her husband was one of the um, most prominent cases in the UK. Um, her husband unfortunately died of a terminal illness before his decision was made but the decision from the court was that 
he wouldn't have been able to have had an assisted suicide regardless. Um, so it really opened my eyes to a discussion that you don't think much about. Obviously, in our daily lives, you don't tend to like thinking about death. But for some people, that's a, um, something they can't get away from. So it was really eye-opening. And I think it's definitely a conversation that everybody should research, even if they don't or they have a reason to. Ah, okay. Thank you very much, Lois. Thank you. With this in mind, you know, I always look back to religion, which is why the topic is so controversial in so many ways, don't you think? Yeah. The Catholic Church, you know, they don't approve of euthanasia in general, but, you know, the Declaration on Euthanasia, the uh, Sacred Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith, he said that intentionally causing one's own death or suicide is therefore equally as wrong as a murder. It's to be considered as a rejection of God's sovereignty and loving plan. What do you think about this? Now, that's that's interesting because even though I don't consider religious point views to be as valid today and as valid in people's lives as they were at one point, it is interesting to see that the the Catholic rejection of euthanasia comes from a kind of reverence to God. And, um, I mean, this is kind of obvious, it's the Catholic Church stating this, but I do feel like even though we we could consider them rejecting it as an uh like a non not a compassionate act they actually are looking to go for kind of what you could consider as like the higher the highest compassion the compassion of god you know uh just but i don't think this argument is as valid in today's discussion of euthanasia as it was when it was initially released in 1980 Alistair Thompson represents all anti-euthanasia group called Care Not Killing. He emphasises solving the medical problem and providing. Let's hear from him now. It's simply not true that people die in horrible, gut-wrenching ways in the United Kingdom. If there are problems with pain relief, uh, that is uh, an issue that needs to be addressed medically. Uh, There also needs to be better support of families as well, not just the person who is at their end of life or disabled. What we should be doing is addressing the medical and care needs rather than saying, oh, well, we just can't be bothered or can't afford to solve this problem. Therefore, we're going to end their lives. And when you look at Oregon and Washington, the majority of people are choosing to end their lives, not for any other reason, but they fear becoming a care burden or financial burden on their loved ones and we can't go down that sort of road in the uk we're joined live now in the studio by uh, sue bird from bournemouth university multi-faith chaplaincy to weigh in on her views on the topic sue welcome uh firstly let's talk about how you feel about assisted dying how do your own personal beliefs contribute to your stance well i'm a christian and so my starting point is that It's not just about my personal choice, but I believe I'm created by a God for a reason, as are all human beings. And that gives life something very precious. So my life has meaning and significance because of that. And so does every other life. And so while I recognize the the dreadful things that people can go through in their final days if it's a terminal illness or so and I'm not trying to play down how hard that can be for me there must always be an alternative to ending your life before the time that it just comes naturally do you think any faith arguments could ever justify assisted death 
I think it depends what you mean by assisted death. Um, some people's lives just come to a natural end and they're being kept alive almost artificially. But I think when we talk about assisted death, we're, we're talking about somebody making that happen more quickly than it might have done. And I think often what one of my concerns is that people want to die at the lowest point in their life. So somebody who's feeling depressed, and that may come with a terminal illness. And that is probably, if somebody's feeling depressed, that is actually the worst moment for them to make a decision that they want to end life. So it, I've known many people who've been very depressed and have wanted to end life. And then later, having come through that, have looked back and thought, could I really have, have meant that? Could I really have wanted that? So there are alternatives. There are hospices. There are wonderful end-of-life care. And I know it doesn't always work well and perfectly in every instance and it's not always as readily available to all but I would want as a Christian to do all I could to build up that side of things so that people die a death that's dignified that's surrounded by people they love and that they know they're cared for until the end rather than ending life because it's just become unbearable. Uh, and finally I just had one more uh, question you you talked about uh, life becoming unbearable and people wanting to end it because of that um which of the two do you think would be more compassionate to allow somebody who doesn't have a say in their own life to end their own i mean to end their life to kind of end their suffering or to let them continue suffering in the hopes that they might one day be better hmm. yeah i understand the argument um I guess the other thing that is very important for me as a Christian is that I don't believe this life is all there is, that there's a life to come. And so, although it sounds compassionate to end somebody's life early, and obviously if you're physically suffering, then pain is it's filling your mind and your body and that's all you're thinking of. But actually to bring hope into that situation that there is something better to come to me is a big part of helping people who are going through those really tough times. So it's not one with easy answers, but yeah, I believe life is precious and we must do all we can to help those in that really tough time. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Sue. Kevin Yule of the University of Sunderland weighs in with his perspective on this debate. Although he strongly stands as being against legalizing euthanasia, he doesn't see any difference between the pain he felt in the physical pain felt in physical and mental illness, and disagrees with the current practices around the carrying out of assisted death. I think it would mean that euthanasia, or that death, was prescribed by medical people, and this expands the criteria of what what medicine is in some ways. In that. I don't think it's the doctor's job to to alleviate existential suffering, if you like. And I think doctors are sort of taking the place of priests at the bedside of the dying person. And I don't think this is this is going to do doctors or anybody else any good. In terms of death, death is not a medical issue. It's it's a philosophical or an ethical issue or a very, very individual personal issue. I don't think it's something that should be prescribed by doctors. And I don't see how doctors can possibly decide that continued existence is worse than death. 
it's simply philosophically impossible for them to do so. The other thing I'd emphasize is that I don't think a doctor is necessary. It's not a difficult thing to actually physically terminate a life. And I think it could be done as easily by a policeman or a philosopher for that matter. I don't think it's necessary for medicine to get involved in this entire process. Now, I think this is a really, you know, Catholic stance on it again, Mm. when we're talking about religion in, you know, like within stuff medically. What do you think about it? I mean, I think that while I well, I understand where Mr. Mr. Yule is coming from, but frankly, uh, the, the proposition that um, death is not a medical issue or the continuation of pain is not a medical issue seems, well, uh, but it's a philosophical, ethical issue, like you said, rather the assertion that the doctors are taking over the roles of priests in society um i find it well quite absurd really doctors are medically trained and death is a medical issue therefore it seems well it seems wrong to take that out of the hands of people who are Mm. trained yes i completely agree with that so our buzz reporters grace and eden spoke to the public to ask whether euthanasia should be legal in the uk and if so why if it was an animal that was in pain, you'd put them down. And I just think that you should really the same should apply to, to humans. I think it should be legal in the UK because I think people should have the choice, do what they want to do once they reach that stage in life. Our view would be taken from the Bible. And, um, and life is a very, very precious gift from God. So the scriptures indicate that it would be wrong to take a human life. From a personal experience, my granddad was really ill last year and he died. It probably would have been less cruel to just euthanise him. Well, what I take from that is there is an absolutely overwhelming support in favour of legalisation. You know, it's, it shows such a shifting attitude in the public towards the issue, but this is, you know, possibly, again, due to the declining religious viewpoints. I mean, I think it's that's a very good thing to observe because um, England is, is quite... Uh, well, the UK in general is quite secular with the exception of possibly Northern Ireland. And uh, with that secularism, I think that comes... Uh, because Miss Bird mentioned uh, that she thinks that there's more to this life than just this life. And when you don't hold that belief, the idea that you keep somebody in pain... Uh, and the idea that you kind of keep somebody in uh, in suffering because in the hopes that they might eventually recover, I think that now that people don't consider it from a view of they might go to heaven, they seem almost more likely to not allow their loved ones to feel that kind of pain before they're forced to depart. Yeah, for sure. I think that as culture and times have changed, before they held on to that as a kind of you know beacon of hope, I guess. Mm. And that's what... That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. My death, my decision is only for assisted death and euthanasia with for people with the mental capacity to consent. They focus on the principle of autonomy. Phil Cheetle, uh, Phil Cheetle, rather, coordinator of My Death, My Decision, explained what the organisation stands for and why people should have a say in their death. Our long-term aim is to get the law in the UK changed to uh, permit people to have an assisted death. But this is only for people who have mental capacity, um, people who are suffering from a medical condition that is uncurable, and where that medical uh, condition has reduced their quality of life permanently below the level that they deem to be acceptable for themselves. Uh, yeah, there will be some people who just always say, no, uh, assisted dying is always wrong, full stop. 
but um, you know, obviously our position is different from that. We we look to um, principles of personal autonomy, making choices for your own life. Uh, principles of compassion. You know, is it really right to to force somebody to continue living against their will? Um, for years, possibly. A particular aspect that you picked up on on psychological cases is perhaps one of the hardest areas and, and perhaps uh, you know, is an area that uh, uh, we shouldn't rush into uh, in any speed at all. You know, on the one hand, you've got people saying, well, so psychiatrists saying, yeah, we, we don't know if this person might have got better in 20 years' time. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, should somebody who's got a persistent and well-thought-out wish to end their life with medical assistance should they be refused that? Uh, what are the alternatives? We are now joined by Ellie Ball, who works for Dignity in Dying. They are a national campaign in favour of assisted dying for those who are terminally ill and mentally competent. So, uh, Ellie, you in the yeah, line? hi there. Fantastic. Hi. So why are you pro-assisted dying? Uh, well, why is the organisation pro-assisted dying, I should say? Well, Dignity in Dying believes that terminally ill people should have the right to die on their own terms. Uh, and we campaign, um, as, as your presenter said, we campaign for a change in the law in the UK that would allow terminally ill people who are in their final months of life, who are mentally competent, to request assistance from a doctor to end their life. So it's really about providing compassion to people who are nearing the end of their life and giving them some choice and control over their death. Well, many organisations that are against say that there are a lot of times the reason for wanting assisted dying is not the actual physical pain, but they're being peer pressured by the circumstances of their physical state. Well, so assisted dying um, in the form that we advocate for the UK has, has been in operation in several states in the US, um, the first of which was Oregon 20 years ago, and uh, where they allow assisted dying as an option for terminally ill people. Um, and the reasons that people give, people give several reasons for requesting an assisted death. Um, pain is definitely a factor, fear of pain is a factor, um, but actually more common is um, loss of autonomy, loss of dignity, people feeling less able to to do the activities that give their life meaning. Um, but importantly, these people are also dying. Um, they're facing an increasing deterioration um, and immense suffering. And the people that request an assisted death um, simply cannot have their suffering relieved any other way. It really is for people who are right at the end of their life, um, who are really suffering and, and need uh, assistance. Do you think there's a difference in assisted dying due to physical illness and mental illness? And if so, why? Yes, we do see uh, uh, quite a um, clear distinction. And obviously we have, we have sympathy for anyone who is suffering for, for whatever reason. Um, but really, the people who are terminally ill who request an, uh, an assisted death, they're not suicidal. They don't want to die. Um, the choice over whether they live or die has already been taken away from them by their illness. Assisted dying is simply about giving them some choice and control over um, a death that is already happening. It's imminent. It's inevitable. They don't have a choice in the matter. It's simply about having a say over when and how that happens. Whereas um, with people who have um, a severe psychiatric illness, for instance, um, they may not have the mental capacity to make such a decision. Um, they're not imminently dying. They would otherwise be alive. So we do see quite a clear distinction um, between the two, yeah. So what would legalising assisted dying mean for the doctoral practice? So 
The fact is that assisted dying already goes on behind closed doors. We know that about every eight days, someone from the UK is traveling to Switzerland for an assisted death. We know that around 300 terminally ill people every year are ending their own lives at home in England. And around 1,000 people's lives are ended illegally by doctors every year. So it's already going on, but it's unregulated. It's happening behind closed doors. There's often no way of knowing if there's any abuse or coercion going on until it's too late. So we believe that having an assisted dying law in place with clear safeguards, clear criteria, that it's only available to terminally ill, mentally competent people at the end of life and only doctors would be able to provide that assistance, that would make this situation um, safer for everyone. Uh, and two independent doctors would have to sign off on a request from someone as well as a high court judge. So it would make the whole process safer for everyone, including dying people, and it would better protect those people that don't want this choice for themselves. Lovely. Thank you for joining us, Ellie. Okay. No. Earlier, we spoke to Pramod Sanatan, solicitor at Appleman Legal and a committee member of the Mental Health Lawyers Association, about the issues surrounding mental health and capacity in assisted suicide cases. One has to be very careful not to equate mental illness to mental capacity. Mental illness and mental capacity are two separate matters. Now, you may ask, how is mental capacity different to mental health? Mental capacity is the assessment of somebody's uh, ability to make a decision. But the recent piece of legislation, which is called the Mental Capacity Act, it sets out two-stage tests of a capacity. Does somebody have an impairment of their mind or brain? as a result of illness or external factors, such as drinking or alcohol use? And does that impairment mean the person is unable to make a specific decision when they need to? Because in cases of assisted suicide, you have varying de uh, degree of, of cases, such as cases where people have got physical illness, de degenerative physical illness, or other cases where they have mental health conditions, which make them, at the time when the decision is taken, at the time, enable for okay. them to, 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 to agree to it. There have been two example cases within the past 10 years in which disabled people have been unable to end their life on their own terms. We're joined in the studio by our reporter Andy Goldman to tell us about them. Thank you guys. So I've got two cases for you, uh, one of which was a national story and the, and the other one was a bit of a personal story to me. So in 2012, I remember hearing about a, uh, a man called Tony Nicklinson he was a father of two and he suffered a stroke in 2005. Uh, and he then suffered something called locked-in syndrome, which is basically where all your muscles are shut down, you can no longer move, and you can only communicate through eye movements. So he called it a living nightmare. He sought to end his life because uh, he, he couldn't move, he couldn't commit suicide. Uh, no one could assist him because that would be classed as murder. So he challenged a high court case uh, requesting a doctor to end his life. That case was rejected by a high court with no real reason being given, essentially saying he would have to live the remainder of his life unable to move. Uh, in the week after, Nicklinson essentially starved himself. He refused to eat anything because he saw that was the only way to end his life. He contracted pneumonia a week after the case and he did pass away. And he was quoted in an article by the BBC just before his death saying, it cannot be acceptable in 21st century Britain that I am denied the right to take my own life just because I am physically handicapped. So a very sad case there. A second one is one that affects uh, me to a degree. Uh, my previous girlfriend, Amber, her father, Jeff, he was diagnosed with uh, motor neurons disease in 2014. Um, Jeff wanted to end life on his own terms. Uh, unfortunately, the family, they had trouble financing a trip to Switzerland because that's something they were thinking of for a dignitas treatment. 
They're three kids, uh, Gemma, Charlie, and Amber. And Jeff did not want to see the kids, um, see him deteriorate, essentially. As his condition worsened, he required a wheelchair. He was placed into a full-time care unit. And Jeff sadly did die of the disease in late 2015. Um, Jeff died pretty angry at the lack of options for financially unstable people and that the UK, he felt, didn't offer him any real assistance to what he wanted. And the family who was extremely close to at the time enjoyed a very stressful uh, time, that's for sure. And earlier on, I spoke to Amber, um, who was very sad, and, and she said she, she asked me to read this to all of you. She said, Dad wanted to go on his own terms. He felt it would be a nicer way to go. With the disease that he had, ultimately, it would be that all of his organs collapsed around him and he would be completely shut off. Mum would have to give up her job and become a full-time carer, and he wouldn't be the man he wanted to be. And Amber finished with, Life is the most precious gift, but Dad had something awful. Why should somebody be held to a life where you can't walk, talk or feel? That's where the line gets crossed and it's no longer living. There needs to be a very thorough assessment by those in power. And an interesting fact to make is that uh, a UK poll showed that 82% of people supported the idea of assisted dying, with 86% of them being dis- disabled. Uh, but a similar study on DoctorsNet UK and the British Medical Journal said that 55% of doctors would also support it. Thank you very much, Andy. Uh, so now I, I suppose all that's left is that a discussion about the ethical implications. Now, uh, in the Netherlands, they actually have a, a word or a phrase um, inside their law which says unbearable suffering. Now, while I think it's pertinent that anybody with un, un, anybody who's enduring unbearable suffering is allowed the opportunity to to kind of basically die, they don't define what unbearable suffering is. And I feel like if you have a if you have a law that's kind of detailing something so sensitive on such a topic, you need to have at least some kind of definition as to what would constitute it. Do you not think? No, for sure. But you know what I find that is extremely interesting is that in Switzerland, with assisted dying within mental illness, they completely... With assisted dying in Switzerland with mental illness, they don't... They don't what? Sorry. They are allowed... The doctors are actually allowed to assist them in their death, but not actually kill them with the injection whereas in the uk euthanasia you know if someone is terminally ill if they're in a coma etc the doctor is actually allowed to switch off their life support something like that but in switzerland they're not actually allowed to euthanize someone medically even if they are in such a state that they are on life support and there is no you know life left Hmm. i feel like that's that's an important point to make because the involvement of that third party kind of makes it uh the involvement of the third party i feel like kind of makes it almost neutral but i'm afraid that's all we have time for today thank you very much for joining us this was buzzcast